In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ever since I can remember, I've always had this, this bit of a dream of being a pig or a sheep farmer. And despite the fact that I literally now have the most white-collar profession there is, it's still a dream that persists in some form or another. Something about the romantic and the peaceful image that I've painted for myself just continues to persist and won't go away. So a couple of years ago, I ordered a book called The Shepherd's Life by James Rebanks. It's a sort of memoir about his life as a shepherd in northern England in the Lake District, where he raises a heritage breed of sheep. And he does so in this place that looks literally like the set of The Lord of the Rings. It's just beyond beautiful. Just an absolute dream. Every part of the idea of his life. And so I ordered this beautiful book thinking, who knows, maybe it'll take my dream and push it over the edge and into reality. Or maybe I'll just have this really nice coffee table book that I can leave out when people come over and it can help cultivate this desired image that I have of being someone who can say, yeah, I'm pretty into sheep farming, no big deal. Um, basically, Virginia's Wendell Berry, in case you were wondering. Of course, uh, all of that's ridiculous, but so I ordered this book, and finally it arrived in the mail. And it came through the mail slot through our front door, and of course, our dog Jack was there to receive the book. And it turns out that Jack is not a sheepdog, or he doesn't like books about uh, sheep's uh and so this is what I did to this beautiful book. It's still pretty. still see some pictures. And thankfully, I can still read it. But um, I read this book, and um, this torn up book. And it just the whole experience of it reminded me that things don't always turn out as they plan, or they don't seem, uh, or the truth of the matter is not um, what we once thought it was. And you read this fantastic book. It's a beautiful book. Um, and one of the things that it does a great job of reminding you about is that even the most beautiful and seemingly ideal lives are lives of blood, sweat, and tears. And that even the Lake District of England can feel like a valley of death. These valleys of death, of anxiety and fear and suffering, they're everywhere. And this present coronavirus moment certainly feels like a valley of death for many of us. But the words of Psalm 23, which is our psalm appointed for this Sunday, and its place is one of the most widely known passages throughout all of Scripture, it reminds us that we're not passing through our first valley of death. And sadly, this probably won't be our last either. But... What we're reminded of and shown and given in this psalm and the fact that it's the one psalm that everyone seems to remember, in this psalm we're given the promise or the many promises that this valley of death, that this suffering is not something that we do alone and that it isn't a valley that's so dark that light and mercy and even joy can't shine through. Sigmund Freud 
has a fantastic psychological critique of religion that goes something like this. Freud said that the faith of Moses rests on a God who's always asking more of Israel than Israel can give. So there's a perpetual cycle of demand, failure, guilt, and sacrifice. And demand and failure and guilt and sacrifice. This sounds pretty dark, and Freud certainly intended it to sound dark. But I think it also sounds about right. The key word here, though, for us to consider is the word sacrifice. Who's doing the sacrifice and what is the sacrifice? Because if all we have is the demand of the Ten Commandments, for example, if that's what our religion is based on, then at the end of the day, we're left to clean up our own failure and our own guilt all by ourselves with our own sacrifices. And if we do this, we do it in all sorts of different ways. Each and every day, we say we're going to give up this, and we're not going to do that again. We say that we're going to make the sacrifice of changing ourselves, of changing our habits, <clears throat> changing in one way or another, so that never again will we make that mistake again. Maybe you thought you were going to spend your time in quarantine this past month, sacrificing those extra calories so you could make up for the past failures uh, and meet the demands of the mirror. But you may have thought that, but if you're like many of us, stress comes and brings its friend bourbon and ice cream most evenings. And instead of losing weight, you've put on the Corona 15, the freshman 15's cruel cousin. These self-improvement plans uh, that we have you should see the list of house improvement plans that I have that I have yet to begin to tackle. All of these plans, they're not actually sacrifices if we think about them. We think they might be the thing that can end the cycle and make us feel better. But they're not sacrifices. They're actually just more demands. What we need is a true sacrifice because without one, the valley of death that we're in, it feels like it's going to topple in on top of us. Well, the good news is that God does give us the Ten Commandments because God wants to show us ten good ways to live. But that's not all that God gives us. God doesn't stop after handing us a to-do list or some ambitious plan of self-improvement. God also gives us himself. And through the sacrifice of the cross, God gives us the gift of hope and joy and mercy to accompany us along life's way, to shepherd us through the valleys of the shadow of death. In Psalm 23, God gives us 10 joys, 10 gifts of the gospel. Here, I'm going to list them for you. One. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Two, he leads me beside still waters. Three, he revives my soul. Four, he guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Five, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the one yesterday, the one today, the one tomorrow, 
I shall fear no evil for you, for God is with me. Six, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Seven, you spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. Eight, you anoint my head with oil. Nine, my cup is running over. And ten, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Ten joys, ten promises of the gospel. This is good, good news, because demand, failure, guilt. This is life. It's the order of life. It's the way of life. So, unfortunately, at times. But thank God we have been given his true sacrifice. Thank God that our need is met not with more demand, but with grace upon grace. Thank God that while we feel like we're being cradled by the valley of the shadow of death itself, the truth is that we're being held, and that the valley we're in itself is being held, and within it all of our failure, all of our guilt, all of our fear, everything is being held in the hands of our Good Shepherd who gives us faith and hope and joy so that we can say with confidence, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And my shepherd has laid down his life for me so that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.